2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and I'm so excited for y'all to hear this episode today. This episode is with one of my favorite people, uh, Miley Mecklenburg. And my kids know her affectionately as Auntie Miley. And... Uh, Man, her story is is a different one than we've heard on this podcast, and um, I'm excited for you to hear because there's some lies that the truth just shines a light on, and they can't go anywhere. And so, uh, now this is an awesome episode. I'm always pointing everybody back to lovereality.org and wave one. And also, if you're new to this podcast, if this is the first time you've heard this podcast, because maybe like Miley sent it to you, God bless Miley, then check out the first couple episodes. Check out um, check out all the episodes. It will only take now a little over 60 hours to listen to. I mean, listen to this one first, but then, you know. Listen to the rest of it, because there's great stuff in it. But anyway, let's uh, let's let's start this mug off. Strap in, buckle up. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? So let's talk about this for a second. This is your second appearance 
on the Death to Life podcast. Is it my second? Remember you recorded the intro? I did record the Who's intro, intro for Will Murphy. For Will Murphy. Have you for heard Will. that podcast it yet? It is. I love it. And I've heard Joyce's and him and Joyce's. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I love it. Man, Miley, I'm trying to decide when I met you. And like I, I joke about this, that we start all of the podcasts where I met the person and not like in their actual life story. And it's just like, I want to talk about me. No. Um, what, what, what year did you get to Union College? So I graduated high school in 2012. So I think you had come to BMA. Okay. We're going to get to that part that. of the story because I do want to oh. highlight that part in the story because this is my podcast. So we do get to highlight that. But um, so I don't want to step on that 2012 for later mm-hmm. in the podcast. There's mm-hmm. a very key, important, huge part, but we won't talk about that right now. Okay. Well, we'll so Miley, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Um, just, just quick little like background, background on just who, who Miley Hoffman, uh, who is Miley? Miley. Now Meckleberg, but yes. yes. Who, but I want to know about Miley Hoffman. Miley yeah. Hoffman before Meckleberg. Yeah. So I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Absolutely love it. Sweetest place on earth. <laughs> so I always joke th- about that whenever I'm telling my students or meeting a new person. Always the sweetest place on earth. Um, I, I mean, I loved life. Like I've, as a little girl, I was always just super happy and positive all the time. Mm -hmm. Loved my family. My family all lives literally within five minutes of each other in Pennsylvania. So I grew up and my family's super small. So we were together all the time and very like loving home parents that are still together to this day, a little sister named Maddie that I love so dearly. And um, uh, my grandpa, I am I'm going to talk about Paul Paul pretty much a lot during this podcast, but love him so much. So everybody that I... Whose papa is that your mom's dad or your dad's dad? Yeah, my mom's dad. Yeah. My dad's dad sadly passed away when... Actually, my freshman year at Union, he passed away. But Mm -hmm. um, And I had obviously a super close relationship with him too. But Paul Paul is the one that... I'll hit on here soon, but um, my grandma died. Papa's wife died when I was really young. Mm-hmm. And Papa always had said that I reminded him a lot of her. So when mm-hmm. she passed away when I was three or four years old, I built a really strong relationship with Papa. I was over at his house all the time. And he's the one that actually introduced me to Jesus and started taking me to church when I was a little girl. Oh, wow. It was Papa. Yeah. So I strong relationship with my family. All again, live super close to each other. And yeah, I was very, I was also very shy back then. Young little Miley was very shy, but very happy and positive. And I remember I have this picture where in preschool or kindergarten, I I had a little award, you know, they give you little awards Mm -hmm. and I had the best little smile when I was a little girl. So I was also known as Smiley Miley all the time when I was young. (laughs) So run around church, run around school. And you loved that? You loved being Smiley Miley? I did. Yeah, I took a lot of value and pride looking back now in that. But I was also just always known as that happy child. And that's going to continue throughout my whole life. But I was always very happy and positive, loved people being happy around me too. I just wanted everybody to be happy. So who is this Jesus that Papa had introduced you to? Like what what did you first understand and just believe Mm -hmm. as your 
entering into this understanding of, of who Jesus is. Yeah. So my family, you know, there's some people that have years and years of family members, like generations in the Adventist church. And my grandpa, Papa, um, came to love Jesus when he was 50 years old. So he became Adventist when he was a lot later in life. My grandma, who I said had passed away, had heart failure throughout her life. And um, he was looking for a church, looking for a community during this time of sadness when she was really going downhill in her health. Mm-hmm. Luckily, she lived after that for another 15 years, but she did die young, younger than what, you know, anybody wants. Yeah, and sure. so Papa found the church through that. And he was looking for a church that um, he believed really aligned with the Ten Commandments and loving Jesus and all of that. And he found the Adventist church. And so my parents and my um, family, who was, I was very close to, were not raised Adventist. So Papa became Adventist when he was a lot older. So at that point, my mom was in, I believe, college or starting her adult life. And she, um, my parents were I would say conservative, but not Adventist, like had very strong principles for us. Like we weren't allowed to watch certain things. But when my grandma had died, when I was three, four years old, Mm -hmm. I started sleeping over at Papa's house every Friday night and Mm -hmm. he'd take me to church on Saturday mornings. How old were you when this was going on? I think around four. Okay. When when I started staying over at his house and he'd take me to church and I just fell in love with Jesus. Like all I knew is that Jesus loved me so much. You know, you grow up singing Jesus loves me so many times, and I loved my experience at church. And from a young age, Papa made sure to take my sister and I and my cousin to every church event there was. So we were the, the we were the kids that were at, you know, we had those <laughs> those you know those ladies in the church that do the little suppers in the middle of the week, and they mm-hmm. teach you how to cook vegetarian vegan meals. We mm-hmm. would go to those any Saturday night family fun night. Um, after church hikes that you would take or Bible studies, my sister and I and my cousin were always there. So I just grew up loving Jesus. Like I believe that Jesus loved me. And at that pure young age, I just loved my experience there. And Mm. I think that contributed to the, me being a very happy, positive, fun loving child, but also meeting a ton of people at a young age too. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. Even though I was shy and a little bit reserved um, yeah, it just, it felt good. It felt right. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. And my parents were both, so my parents were both school teachers as well. Mm-hmm. And on the side, they had a leadership entrepreneur business as well. So with that, we, my sister and I got to know a lot of people through their business that were over at our house. We, they would host meetings, we'd go places. So at a young age, I was surrounded by people. And I think that's what really fostered my love for people or love being around people is at a young age, even though, like I said, I was shy, reserved, I was just around people all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that really played into the rest of my life and going through life and getting to experience all different types of people too. So you have this understanding, you love Jesus and Jesus mm-hmm. loves you, and this goes into your academy life. Like, yep. did you, did your parents were like, we're going to send you to a boarding school? Like, how long, mm-hmm. like, I met you when you were at Blue Mountain Academy. How long before that did you know, oh, I'm going to be going to a boarding school? And this is, because mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with boarding yeah. schools and you're listening to this, having this ship off their kids at age 13, 14, oh, yeah. 
not all of them, but it's majority it, do. It, it used to be a, a bigger thing, and it still is some places. How long did you know, like, oh, I'm going to be going to boarding school? So my parents were actually both public school teachers. So like mm-hmm. I had said before, they were very conservative and strict with the way that they raised us and the things that we were allowed to watch or listen to. And with Papa as well, and me spending a lot of weekends with him and going to church, um, I, and I loved it. And so when we were, my sister and I, again, my parents taught public school and they wanted to originally just put us, put us in Christian school. Mm-hmm. So we went to just a normal Christian school for our first few years. When I was in third grade, my grandpa had told my parents, well, if you take Miley and Maddie to the Adventist school, we'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll help pay for it. So at third grade I, is when I went to Adventist school and just, again, started learning more and more about Jesus, mm-hmm. having like good, solid friendships at a young age. And from that point on, I was sold on just going to Adventist school. Like I loved my experience in a, and in, I went to Harrisburg Avenue school in Pennsylvania and it was a multi-grade school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in third grade, I was in classroom, at a classroom with third, fourth, fifth graders. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go throughout and then you're the fifth grader. That's, a big, you know, the big, leader in the school. Yeah. The, in the one, classroom. Were you the one fifth grader? <laughs> yeah. There's actually, I think three of us. So oh, there's okay. one point there was four, but there's only three or four of us in the grade throughout the whole time. But um, yeah, so I knew at an early age that I wanted to because I loved it. But I think little girl Miley as well, like going on to being very happy and positive, I wanted to always please people too. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I was not heartbroken leaving the Christian school, because I had a great experience there too. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make Paul Paul happy. I wanted to make my parents happy. I just didn't want to do the wrong thing ever. Did you have any experience where you might have done the wrong thing or you didn't please somebody that it like affected you that you would remember? Like, do you have any back to, um, there's like, no, there's no story that I have in particular in mind because I was the child. Like if I talked back to my parents and they looked at me and told me they were disappointed in me, I would start crying. Like I was the kid that didn't need spanked, didn't need <laughs> this slapped. Is like my like, daughter Nola. <laughs> yeah. She's so sweet. Yeah. And that was me. Like I, if my parents looked at me and said, Miley, we're disappointed in you. Like if I um, got into a fight with my sister or I really didn't get into fights at school because like, <laughs> oh my, I did not like conflict. So I just wanted to do everything to make everybody around me happy. So if my parents did ever say they were disappointed in me, it wrecked me and it changed my behavior right away. Like that worked back then for, for me, for old Miley. Yeah. I, so there's no story I have in mind that I completely disobeyed them because I didn't want to, like, <laughs> I just, I loved, yeah, I, and my sister love her so much. She was definitely the opposite of me. <laughs> she was the one that was fine with my parents were like, Maddie, we're disappointed in you. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> what so of I, it? <laughs> yeah. She's like, and <laughs> your point. So I don't want to say I learned a lot of lessons through her because I love her so much. She's, we're just different children. Um, but yeah, no, there's no like memory that I have that I did other than those few moments where I was heartbroken. And that's where I think that like pattern of mind where I was like, I've always got to do what's right because I don't want people to be disappointed in me. So it like created a, I don't want to say like I put on a front because I mean, I did think that I was honestly Mm -hmm. happy and enjoying life, but I, 
come to find out years and years of these patterns, it just left me just always wanting to work. And I, let me go back, but always wanting to work for people's approval, but for everybody to be happy. So I know, I mean, we're going to keep going on to middle and high school and everything, but I think to like my testimony and a huge thing that I look back on and young Miley was that I was, I don't want to say addicted to work, but Mm -hmm. I working was a huge part of my young life leading up until middle and high school, which about to hit about, um, talk about. Cause yeah, I was just always working and working and doing these things to make everybody around me happy. And there were times that I definitely Mm -hmm. maybe felt unhappy. And there were those moments that I obviously knew it wasn't from pure love or pure joy. Right. There was definitely moments where I didn't feel that, but you know, it would give me a high knowing that this person said something good about me or this person that I was with, I made them feel good. So it made me, lifted me up in some ways. Mm-hmm. But and I would say going on to middle school and beginning of high school as well, um, I was still a pretty shy girl. I didn't really come out of my shell really until I would say my junior year at BMA. Um, so going on to like end of middle, beginning of high school, there was a boy that I became interested in in the beginning of high school. And again, like I loved my class, had a great experience in school and Adventist sure. school. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a boy, obviously I started liking, he became my boyfriend and he ended up, and so this experience really kind of shaped where those feelings switched from being just happy and positive to just not ever feeling good enough. So the boy, my first boyfriend that I ended up having, mm-hmm. um, ended up um, cheating on me at that point. So the happy go like lucky cheating girl, on you, like real life cheating on you, or just like he held another girl's hand in the cafeteria. Like we don't have to. <laughs> we don't like. I'm just oh, interested okay. in like how. Like what yeah. was it? So when okay, so we were dating, like, and he was my first kiss and everything, and you know, little follow the rules, Miley, that never want to do anything wrong. Oh. I even told my parents that I had my first kiss, and they were so disappointed in me. Oh no! <laughs> and so I was like, I won't do it. Were you a for sophomore? A long time. Yeah, I was a sophomore. Okay. Yeah, and so I just felt so much like guilt from that, even though, I mean, looking back, it was a kiss. Yeah. Again. I love my parents so much. So nothing on them, nothing on this person. But yeah, so I had my first kiss. That had happened. My parents weren't super about even me dating. Like they were fine with it, but also they didn't love the fact that I was spending a lot of time with this guy. Right. And towards the end of our relationship, he had lied about um, some things that he had done with another girl kind of at the start of our excuse me, relationship. So he yeah. had kissed another girl, was messing around with another girl at a place that we worked because we both worked at BMA in this little industry area. Making brooms? I actually didn't do brooms. I did, <laughs> we would puff these screws and I did that for a year. And then I actually had a job in industry where I would input documents into the computer. So actually it wasn't making okay. brooms, but... That's the old Adventist oh Academy boarding job. You're, you make brooms or you milk cows, so... Yeah, no, not at BMA. So anyway, when I had found out that this boy had done that and um, cheated on me and obviously, and 
the sad thing is it had happened with one of my close friends as well. It, it'd be it'd be the close ones that do it to it, you, right? Yeah, and that's I think when that young, like happy go lucky, my life is great. I want to please people. I'm super happy. That's when that kind. Of, I don't want to say it shattered, but it really wrecked me because I was like, oh maybe I'm not happy or maybe I'm not good enough or maybe this thing that happened, like why is it hurting me so bad? I'm not important or joyful or happy. And I put that on myself. um, And I think that was the first thought of I'm not good enough is when that happened came up Uh from this experience and um, being cheated on in that young you know, high school way. So did he, it hurt. T- he told you like, Oh, I did, did this thing and you guys broke up because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then obviously rumors started and got out that he had done this stuff with one of my friends and these other girls. And then, mm-hmm. um, other people, like it was just such a sticky and gross situation in high school. And that was the moment that I, I then it was just such a turning point because again, it was the moment that I realized, Oh, this is what like it feels like to be sad or to be hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like to be actually hurt. Cause you know, I thought at that time, you know, you think you love your first boyfriend and I, yeah, it really wrecked how I viewed myself. Um, what happened with me in future relationships and just the, the fact that I didn't feel loved or valuable. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if he, he doesn't like what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. like I put it on myself and it's sad cause it's super selfish. I was like, What's wrong with me that he I don't think lied it's su- about I don't think that. that's super selfish. Is it not? Because I no, feel like... No, that's just what happens. Yeah. It's just... It, I mean, you weren't out here just being like... I, I, I think we just need to be careful with that because you're just a sweet, innocent girl <laughs> that gets a thing happen yeah. to her that, mm-hmm. that, that, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it did not. So that was really the first like big switch in my mindset and switch. And and it was a very hard time, but it was also a very beautiful time because I had decided after that moment of feeling less than, and those feelings of being less than or not good enough as, you know, sweet Miley felt. Um, I also made a decision that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this experience also ruin the rest of my high school. Like I... I, that was the moment that I really decided at the end of my sophomore year into the beginning of my junior year that I was going to be involved, that I was going to, I mean, the sad thing is continue working. Mm -hmm. Like I was going to do my best and everything that I could to just continue like giving myself a good name or continue. I don't even know if I could identify what I was even thinking back then. Like now I can look back and see that I was just probably staying busy and working because I didn't want to feel that pain of, you know, not feeling valued or loved. Right. So looking back, I can obviously see that that mindset switch of just wanting to, you know what, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm going to get out of my shell and get super involved at BMA, um, go for our essay, like go for going for essay president, being involved in all the events wanting to run things. And that, that was like a huge swift that, or excuse me, switch in my mind that I was like, I'm not gonna. Yeah. So you say you, you had a hard time with conflict. 
-hmm. what would happen when you're like in these positions or like like if you're in an election there's conflict Mm -hmm. right there's somebody that's running against you or when you're planning it like how would you deal with it back then what would you do if you didn't like conflict so you could get away from it oh it was so hard i just hid from it like i don't know looking back like Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to address it because i just never wanted anybody to feel like I took Richard so much pride in like I literally thought I was like I couldn't I'm not gonna upset anybody ever like I took literal pride in I want somebody to find something super wrong about me because I just I worked to just make everybody happy or to make myself look good in front of everybody and I don't want to say I was putting up a show I mean I guess I was because you know inside I was just feeling these feelings of wanting to work for people's approval, wanting to work for affirmation, wanting to work to be noticed. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like, obviously I didn't see that as such a negative thing. I just thought, well, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. This is what Jesus wants me to do. This is what my family wants me to do. My parents, this is what Paul wants me to do. I'm just going to keep doing the right thing, being involved and quote unquote, loving people. Mm -hmm. The only way I knew I thought I could back then, but mm-hmm. you know, it was also very selfish because I was gaining things from that. Like I was gaining pride from being able to hmm. like, I remember even there's a story in high school. There was a person that, um, didn't really that, you know, those people that just are, you could say are more introverted, like to sit by themselves, doesn't have, don't have a lot of friends. Like I purposely went to those people and started a conversation. Right. Like I just took so much pride in being that person that could go around could communicate, could talk, just pour my quote unquote, again, love or happiness into them to make them feel important. And again, I don't think like back then I, I wasn't viewing it in such a negative way. Like now I can look back and see I was doing all these things because there was a lack of feeling important or valuable or loved. So that's where I was getting all of my affirmation from. So you would go and sit with people that didn't have mm-hmm. anyone sit with them and you were doing it so you could feel good that you were the person that was sitting with the person that no one was sitting with? Totally, yeah. Did you want people to see that or did you not matter or is it, was it just like for an inner thing for you? I think I'll, I'll, a little bit of all the, all three of those things. Hmm. Like I would tell you back then, oh, well, I'm doing it just because I love people or I want them to feel important. But there was definitely a huge part of me that was like, oh yeah, people are watching me doing this. Like I'm just continuing to put on like I'm the good girl that that does these things because she's supposed to or to get that praise from somebody that would look at me and say, Miley, you're just so nice. Sometimes it's, it's just like we can see it from a mile away. I was watching something. I don't know if it was on Instagram, but it was this guy feeding homeless people on Instagram live. <laughs> and I was just like, nah, man, like, yeah. Turn off the live. Like <laughs> this ain't so it. True. It's not this it. is not it. Like give that person that food. Yes. But you don't we don't need to see it. Mm-mm. Like it's it's we anyway. But that's Yeah, that was I mean honestly, that was I mean you could say that was totally me and not that I was I mean Instagram wasn't as popular back then. Not that I was going live or <laughs> and I I think like I I did have a good intention. For sure. But like Satan definitely took the goodness out of my heart and just twisted it to turn into, oh, Miley, you're doing this for affirmation or you're doing this to 
fulfill that emptiness that you feel because, you know, you've been hurt and you don't feel loved or you feel like you need to work for this. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sad to look back and see like, man, God has created me with joy in all of these things. And Satan took the good that I was intended for and completely, Mm -hmm. you know, switched that in my mind to be (laughs) completely not that. Right. You know, and I can look and see that now. But yeah, I would say high school Miley just, you know, had that sad experience happen and just felt unvaluable and unloved. And then I would say high school Miley also realized, well, you know what? I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm going to do everything I can to continue working, to continue filling that sad void and just work. Yeah. Yeah. I think like so after your so much work. Yeah. After your first relationship in high school, did you have a, a another one in there or were you like, ah, that one hurt. I'm good. <laughs> well, there was. Well, yeah, I I had had some. And, you know, it, I mean, it's funny in our Adventist world, you talk, you know, you're talking to somebody or it's not officially <laughs> dating. I don't know if you ever use that term. Oh, uh, yes, of course. Oh, my yeah. word. Yeah. It's so funny to look back and think about that. But um, there had been actually another boy that I was pretty interested in my senior year and we were obviously going to different colleges so it was kind of like we hung out because you know we liked each other we enjoyed each other but going into it I knew that it wouldn't turn into anything because again we were going was this a guy who came on the trip to union with you no no not him I'm trying to think if I yeah (laughs) no no and yeah such a great person but he had had a girl that just it's so funny looking back and thinking about these things. A girl that had been at the class above us, so had already graduated and gone to college. I knew that the previous year he had had uh, strong feelings for her. And, you know, she was gone off to college. So not that I thought about it or even had an idea. And again, like this guy and I, we weren't, we were again in Adventist terms, I guess you could say talking just Hanging out, I think we went to like a banquet, mm-hmm. which again in the Adventist world you could say is a very lame prom. <laughs> it it's wasn't not lame. lame. It was fun. It, it was it's, fun. it's incredible. Yeah, exactly. But um, I had gone to banquet with him, and you know we were, I guess you can say talking or whatever you call pre-dating in our little world. But and then that summer, I had again little good Miley went canvassing and call portered. So I found out about call portering and canvassing, you know, where you go door to door and sell Mm -hmm. Christian literature. And it was a beautiful experience, but you know, it was those spiritual highs and you go back and you have those. But that summer Mm -hmm. he had actually, um, we were again still talking, even though we knew that we were going to be going to different schools. Mm -hmm. And he actually ended up getting together with that girl that he had previous relationships with and hadn't told me. And again, we weren't in an official relationship. So it's not something that I was upset at him for. But again, like that pattern of, oh, great. Again, I was somebody, he had chosen somebody else over me. So that feeling of coming back of feeling less than or unimportant or... Um, I mean, it's sad, but like not worthy had definitely come back when that had happened. And it was a little different because we weren't official, but it, I mean, it was sad because I mean, there's a theme that has happened in those previous relationships that just made me feel very, and I guess with that huge feelings of insecurity. Hmm. 
and I don't know if you, I mean, you know, old Miley and you watched me towards the end of high school, the beginning of college, but yeah, I felt through those experience, just super also insecure. Yeah. I feel like I have a couple stories that can, <laughs> that can, that we could talk about where I saw some of that. So let's, let's, uh, let's tell a little bit about why did you come to visit Union? Why did I come to visit Union? Like so, what would make you come to visit Union to come check out the school? Yeah. So I, I knew from, okay, so because my parents are both teachers, I guess I'm going back in my story a little bit. Um, I've always had a huge passion for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, ever since a young age. And like I told you with my parents being involved in their business, kids, we were just around kids all the time as a child. But Mm -hmm. as I grew up as, you know, teenager, high school, Mm -hmm. I was babysitting. I was around kids and I'd love listening to my dad. He was a vice principal at a middle school and I loved hearing his stories. Mm -hmm. So at a young age, I knew that whatever job I had, I wanted to do something with kids just because I absolutely have loved them love their passion and joy. Mm-hmm. And as I started looking at colleges, again, like I said before, my previous with my previous um, experience with Adventist education, I, I knew that I wanted to go to an Adventist school. Right. And I had heard such good things about Union and Andrews having awesome education programs. And I think I remember you, and I think Tyler was on that trip actually too, came to BMA for like a weekend. I think you spoke at a week of prayer or not, excuse me, not a week of prayer, like a Friday night Vespers and had talked about union. Yes. So it was myself, Tyler, Tyler Michael Adams, Mm -hmm. Emily Ferguson, Mm -hmm. shout out to Emily Ferguson and Azriel. Yeah. And I don't remember what I talked about. I, this is before you went to visit union. Yes. So I think that was my first, and this might've been even been my junior year. I don't remember what year it was, but that's kind of what put how, Union how, how, in my head. How much ahead is Emily than you? So Emily's little sister was in my class. So Emily, I think was a senior when I was a freshman. Oh yeah. So it might've been your junior year because it was her sophomore year. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so we came out there and it was fun. We had a good time. And I'm not sure if I- I don't even met, know if I met you at that no, point. No, I don't think I met you. No. Um, so that, but was, that had an impact on you coming to visit the school, you think? I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I had heard it T- was a Tyler had hair. Then you're just Tyler like, Tyler had hair. Oh my goodness. I know <laughs> the bald eagle wasn't bald yet. No. And yeah. So knowing that loved kids had heard that weekend from you guys and Kristen Angen, actually, oh, yes. the Angen the family, I was pretty close with that BMA and they had talked to me about union too throughout my BMA experience and so I was like, you know what? I'll go fly out for a weekend, check it out. I'm super excited to because I'd heard good things. And when we got, and I honestly can say, when we got on a plane, I had no idea where I was going. I was like, where is Nebraska again? <laughs> like in the United States, where in the world is Nebraska? That's and funny. so, yeah, super fun. Um, and so, yeah, we came. And you we and I, we, we hit it off for some reason. I don't remember mm-hmm. that weekend at all. Mm-mm. I don't remember it at all, but we became like i either started making fun of you or joking with you as i normally do and then you went back and like how did i keep in contact you before i made this video because i was trying to came out a second time like i think my senior year so that was we visited in the fall of my senior year i want to say you came out for like a preview weekend 
maybe a few months after. And we had kept in touch or you had, I think, reached out to me at that time too. Mm. And again, I was between Andrews and Union at that point. So I had not made up my decision. I knew I wanted to go into education, but... So the reason I say all this backstory may not be interesting to most people, but (laughs) I made a video for you. You did. And I think it was in the summertime when you were still not decided. Mm -hmm. And I went around, I got the president of the college on the video and I got all these people. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying... uh, Miley, come to Union College. Yeah. And I've only made that a video when I was, I recruited for Union for nine years. I only made that kind of video twice. Uh, one was for Miley and I think the other, the other one didn't show up. <laughs> so, uh, but you end up coming to Union that I fall. I did, uh-huh. So that video obviously helped a ton. And I, when I visited Union, I loved the, like, the small family atmosphere, because BMA was not a huge high school. Yeah. Like in, when I, my senior year, there was only, I think, 150, 160 students in the whole school. So I, I did love that small school feel, the fact that you got to know a lot of people. And I felt that at Union, everybody was so nice. I felt like I'd be connected to my professors. Well, let me say this. There's a reason I made the video. And the reason I made the video <laughs> is because you were, and I think still are, but it's different. The sweetest person of all time. <laughs> like you, no, I'm serious. You were the sweetest person of all time. And I was like, yo, this is a Union College student right here. Like she Thank is. You. And when you got to, to Union, you were so sweet. And <laughs> this thing about pleasing people, yeah. I didn't, you were just like, you wanted everybody to be happy and yeah. all of this stuff. And the other story where I'll remember, like, I, Something happened over freshman orientation oh where I just started making fun of you and we don't have to go into that. But I just, I was like, oh, I'll be friends with her because I can make fun of her and she's cool with it. She laughs. And then. That was uh, the most embarrassing picture I think I have of me. Is that picture okay, of I'll that. say it for the podcast. <laughs> I took a picture it. of Miley playing like this orange game with a, a guy who was literally like draped all over <laughs> you. And I put it on my, I had a <laughs> blog. Game that I had and I thought it was the most funny thing but I think I thought it was the most funny thing because of you because like it affected you and I yeah just, like, that's I was the probably funny thing. so embarrassed yeah. and I was I was like this is the worst but oh, then you came to my off no you called me I don't know how you got my phone number maybe we had it from this summer mm-hmm. but you called me and I don't I remember asking why are you calling me about this and you're like I don't know I just felt like you were the person I needed to call about this <laughs> But somebody had asked you to the banquet. Cornered me, yep. Mm-hmm. In? The library. Sub, no, but in September or August. Yeah. For a banquet that was going to be taking place in like December. Yeah. Which is the classic move of just somebody who's very desperate. And mm-hmm. you were like, how do I get out of this? What do I do? And you're the sweetest, sweet Miley. Yep. And I gave... <laughs> said i had to go yeah i told I you had you had to, to go, go. With that person i was like do i have to come on and i'm like yeah you gotta go and i still stand by that advice <laughs> and i know that you had a horrible time at the banquet it was horrible but was like i stand by that advice but this is just like who you were yeah like the the sweetest girl and you didn't want to hurt anybody but no mm-hmm. so you're moving through college this this yeah. sweet miley um, and it yep. seems like you just had a, a, a great old time. You, you had a couple, like you were telling me earlier about mm-hmm. a situation where you were dating a guy and they kind of doubled down or even tripled down on this, this feeling of unworthiness. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, what what totally was that about that. that? Yeah. Yeah. So my, 
freshman year at Union, like I, yeah, like Richard said, I was again that sweet girl that wanted everybody to be happy, and um, and I was far away from like the only people I knew at Union. I think were you, Richard, and maybe three or four other people, and that was it. So I was coming to a whole new area, but I was also it was like a new excitement too. Like I was just really excited for it. I loved it. I wanted to do my best and. I think I just got involved in every way. Like I had said from my experience in high school where that switch was, I just want to be involved and really just work and get to know people. And so my freshman year ended up being such a fun year where <laughs> that experience happens. And through that, and I was in the elementary ed program at Union and I had met somebody through that program and we ended up like, we went on a, a spring break trip and I met one of my best friends to this day on that trip, or we went to on that trip together. And that's when we decided that we were going to be roommates forever and absolutely love her, <laughs> Jessica. I know. Love so Jessica. It was a beautiful, fun trip. But on that trip is when um, a guy that I had been in all my classes at Union with, because he was also elementary ed, we hit it off and started hanging out. And he had been that person to just pick at me all year and make jokes and we worked at the same place as well and we started hanging out and after that trip hang out even more and realized that I had tons of I started developing feelings for him and then um, he actually had a huge surgery that summer where he ended up um, on his feet where he ended up not being able to move at all hardly that summer and mm. he through that time he realized that he didn't want to do elementary ed anymore that he was going to transfer to Andrews and do um, speech language pathology. Mm -hmm. And so through that, we were back and forth on whether we should date or not. And well, I guess we were dating. Sorry. We were back and forth whether to continue right, right, right. this because like, obviously he was going to do a different school. But we decided to stick through it because I honestly really liked him. Like mm -hmm. he was a fun loving, hilarious guy at that time made me feel really good. I enjoyed just time with him. And then he had moved to Andrews and through that experience, we kept in touch those first few months mm -hmm. and union at union. I was the ASB social vice president. So again, I wanted to be involved in everything. And so I started running all the events for the school and it was an amazing school year, but it was also super busy. And we tried to keep in touch and visit each other the, as much as we can. And then I got a call from him one night and I remember chatting with him just in the basement of the dorm and he had just started breaking down into tears and he's like, Miley, I've got to tell you something. And he was like, I cheated on you this weekend. And that was just again, like that theme of like, why in the world does this keep happening? Like, mm -hmm. am I that... I just didn't feel like a good person. Like I said, mm -hmm. I, I was happy and I was sweet and I knew people put this on me and, but I was like, what is wrong with me that this keeps happening? And so that I think really, again, destroyed that any confidence that I had any, I want to say just, I, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I, I mean, it's sad to say, but yeah, I, again, I put it on myself. I was like, why did this happen? Like, is there something wrong with me? I'm, I, I think I'm doing the right thing. Like I, I, yeah, it devastated me. Cause I, I did love this boy. Like I, I thought I loved him and just to the fact that that had happened and again, just feeling very 
unworthy, unvaluable. And this is it was the, sad. The same guy you had mentioned earlier that had opened up about a problem with Yeah. Oh, I should have said that. Sorry. So in the summer we had gotten a chance to see each other. And through that, he had um when we were hanging out, he's like, I've got to tell you something else as well, and that I'm addicted to porn. And that was the first time um in my life. And again, because like good Miley didn't want to do anything wrong had never really been introduced in my entire life or known exactly what porn was. And when he shared this with me, I just remember this feeling came over my heart that like, Miley, you are never going to be good enough. Like mercy. Yeah. Literally just that feeling. Like I can remember and still feel that just like, I don't want to say darkness, but like that sadness come over me. Like, yeah, you are not enough. Like you're not enough. And the fact that like, you know, a few months later that he actually cheated on me, I was like, yeah, you're not enough. Somebody is always going to like, there's always going to be a better version of you out there. Um, You're never going to satisfy somebody and just you're not enough. So you was sad. Was this like a front of your mind, like belief or was it like something that you were battling with all the time? Like, well, maybe I am enough. And but then. Oh, but that proved that I wasn't. And now this has proved that I'm not. But how can I not be enough? Like, what was like the battle going on in your mind with this? Yeah. No, that's a good question. Um, I think the battle was, like you said, I would I would try to, again, almost like in a way that I didn't understand, speak truth over myself. Like, no, Miley, you're, it's not you. It's da, da, da. But then like this darkness would come in and say, no, you're not. Like things keep happening. You're obviously not good enough. Like you're not doing something. And then obviously conversations with my parents or with good friends that would like, no, Miley, that's not true. I'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. But then like that pattern of no, well, this is proof again that you can't do things right. Or like, and if, if somebody didn't like at the time I said I was running the events for union college, if somebody didn't like an event or I got Mm -hmm. a bad feedback from something, I'm like, oh, there we go again, Miley. You're not going to be able to do something right. So it wasn't only with my relationships with males. It was also just in my, it affected my, my work, my schooling, my, yeah. And I think I hit it well in a sense. And maybe you can speak to that because you also knew me back then too. And I, I, I was, I was an open book though. Like if somebody asked, I never, and I think because of being cheated on, I I was an open book in a sense, like, I don't want people to think that I, I want to always be honest with people Mm because I knew what it felt like to be hurt and betrayed or untrusted. So I also, from then moment on, I don't want to say became an open book, but I've always been an honest person. And I think I just kept that up because I was like, oh, I don't want to do this to anybody. Like that hurts. So I don't want to ever hurt somebody in the same way that that has happened to me. Um, so yeah, I, those feelings came back a ton and I, like you said, I did my best to say, oh, they're not true or, you know, try and read the Bible throughout this time too. But it was just sad. And I mean, you know what? And I just started filling that void with work. Like, again, I just continued to stay busy and I continued to do these things or I continued to maybe not date another person, but hang out with another guy that would make me laugh or make me feel good like this guy had. And it was just, so I who, mean, it's sad. Who, who was God then? And what was his role 
in all of this? Like, what was he? What was he able to mm-hmm. to tell you about yourself? Yeah. Or was he even a part of this? Was that like a compartmentalized thing? Like, like I know God loves me, but it didn't match up with what you were believing about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't. Like I, and through this time, like I don't, and, and throughout my life, like looking back, there was never a moment that I fully felt like, oh, God is not with me. Mm-hmm. I just, again, believed that in order for, because in order for people to be pleased with me, I thought, you know, I had to work and I had to do these things. Mm-hmm. But, and I felt almost that same way about God. So I was like, you know what, God, I know this happened. I know I'm feeling this way. I know you love me. But I'm just going to keep working because I know that's just the right thing to do. So I didn't put God in a box, I would say. I would say he was there. Um, but I, I also think I got so wrapped up in, excuse me, work and life. And again, just those feelings. And I, yeah, I like I knew he was there. But I also didn't know I think what to do in these situations other than you know reach out to my family or reach out to Paul Paul and then pray over me and you know I prayed I would say I had a good relationship with God but not one where it was super strong so when you're praying to him and mm-hmm. you're hurt or you're believing this stuff, would you talk to him about this stuff or was it just like help me with my day help oh, me totally. with this test yeah help, like the prayers of a young person just seem to be like, help me, help me. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, oh, thank you for this, God. I'm praying for this situation or, you know, take this pain away that I'm having. But I know you're good. And if you don't, it's okay. Like, that's the kind of thing that I believed, you know? Like, I was like, oh, like, if you if you want to, if it's your will, like, I, the belief part was just not there. In that way, you know, like I, I just thought that this was something that I was going to have to live with. And I believed that God was good and that he loved me, but I really didn't comprehend that he actually loved me. Right. Yeah. And so just that, again, that pattern of just needing to work and prove myself, but also just doing that because I was just feeling so didn't like myself. Like I didn't like that these things had happened, I just felt so unworthy and unloved. And so sad looking back and thinking about and it. Now that you're looking back, you can see that that's what you were feeling. Totally. Did you know mm-hmm. exactly that you were feeling this? No, no. I don't, like, I think that I could tell you I was feeling sad and hurt. I don't think I could look at you and tell you or be on, like, I was honest, but I don't think I was willing to look deep down and say, oh, it's because... I didn't feel loved or it's because I feel unworthy and I don't feel worthy of love. That's why I'm doing these things. There's no way I don't think I could have expressed that. I probably would have told you, man, I feel hurt because Mm -hmm. this person did this to me or yeah, I don't think I could have expressed that to anybody. Hmm. So what happens next? So what happens next is, uh, so that experience had happened and after that, I mean, it's funny. Also, I hadn't thought about this, but you know, the first back in high school, if we think about that, that happened. Then I decide to do essay and do all of these things. When my experience happened in college, well, right after that, I decided to do, um, I had always wanted to be a student missionary. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, 
going with my love for kids. So after this experience happens, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go be a student missionary next year and work at an orphanage. So anyway, after that experience had happened, felt very heartbroken and confused and felt like I said, like I had a relationship with God, but not a great one. It was okay. Um, I obviously still wanted to please him and everybody. So I was like, you know what? What if I did a year as a student missionary? I have a four, I only need a four year teaching degree to be a teacher. So it's not like I'm going to school for years and years and I love kids. And so I decided to go to Honduras for a year and a half and be a student missionary. A year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm, I'm remembering this. Did you want to stay for a year and a half? I not originally. Yeah. I was only supposed to go from August to the next year in June. But um, I, I think I loved it. I'm, I know old Richard and I'm sure old Richard tried to convince you to not do this. Do you remember if I tried, tried to convince you to not go for a year and a half? We're, I think you were already gone by that point. I want to say you, what year did you go to Minnesota? 2015. Yeah. So that was my, I stayed there from 2014, 2015. So I think you were already on your way out when I made the decision to stay. You left and you didn't. We didn't even talk about it. This messed no, up. I know. This messed up. I thought we were homies. So you go out there. What happens? What happens there? Like, man, I had such a beautiful. It's it's obviously super hard work, but you know, Old Wiley loved to work, so I didn't mind the work. Um, it was so beautiful to see children just accept so many volunteers, and you know, at the time I didn't know Spanish, and to go down there and learn the language and have these kids just be so loving and accepting and teaching me as I like, you know, learn Spanish throughout my time there. And I, it was very hard and it was hard being away from family and friends. And I loved union so much. So, I mean, it was hard being away from college too, but I absolutely fell in love with the culture, the, the church members, the, the kids that were there. Um, and just being able to be a like honestly be a mom to these kids Hmm. it was a beautiful experience that was very hard to explain to people when i came back i think that i i look i loved the beginning of my college experience but i think the end was very tough because coming back from being almost like a a single mom where i took care of a group of boys and then having to teach english all day and then come back to those boys and i mean it's hard to explain and coming back to a life where you know, you're hanging out with friends all the time, going to events, sitting in classes that are, are important, but just don't feel important when you're actually at that time, I thought, you know, making a difference and loving on these kids. And so I was supposed to, I was supposed to actually come home in June and stay. But um, when I look back, it was one time that I distinctly remember, sp- like, spirit was like, no, like the door opened for you to stay. We're asking you to stay. Like, you should stay. Hmm and just continue to do what you're doing here. Hmm. And um, towards the end of that time, obviously it was hard because doing that and giving of yourself and what I knew I was giving of myself was just me, not actually the true pure love of Jesus. Like I'd love to go back and do something that like that now, now that I comprehend that I do have the spirit and love of Jesus, but it was a beautiful experience and I loved it. And Again, being able to parent and being able to, even though I didn't, you know, give birth to these children, but feel like I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you just grow such a bond to them and, you know, you hurt when they're hurt. And 
I mean, then you go in the whole discipline stage where they're not listening to you. I mean, it's just fun. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. I fell in love with those boys and listening to them like come from nothing and come and get food and teach them how to shower and eat and like do things that they've never done before. Like I, we had a little boy come to us who never used a fork, was scared to go in a shower because never had had a shower. Like didn't Mercy. know what it was like to stand underneath a shower head. And so it was just an experience that is very hard to, it was hard at that time to talk to people about when I came back. And um, when I came back, it was actually beautiful because my best friend who I'd mentioned before, Jessica, she had, she went to union to be a pastor. And so she had done her little preceptorship that first semester. I was coming back in Honduras in the middle of the school year. So mm-hmm. I was coming back in, in, well, I'd come back to Pennsylvania in December, going back to union. So we ended up getting an apartment together and we were just in this weird stage of, you could say like brokenness, sadness. Um, I was, I wouldn't say that I was depressed, but I was definitely very, sad it was hard for me to talk about my experience in Honduras when people wanted to ask about it um I remember coming back seeing was just you. hard I remember seeing you at the basketball tournament and it was mm-hmm. just like oh shoot Miley you exist like yeah. I had you were not around for so long not. and I remember that it was kind of like we hadn't seen each other for so long that it's kind of like you don't even know where to pick up you're just like hey yeah. how was that yeah and you don't like when people <laughs> ask they don't really want to know the whole thing no totally not so you're like it was great yeah. you know and that's like where you leave off and it's hard to you know it's hard to jump back into it oh totally and going from like working and almost i don't want to say running union but doing all the events and being getting to know a ton of people on campus to me being gone a year and a half and people coming up to me like oh welcome to union college i was like wait what just so much had changed in that year and a half. <laughs> you don't know who i am i am miley i am smiley miley <laughs> no no but i definitely was hurt when somebody introduced himself like welcome to union i was like oh my goodness i've just been gone forever. check my stats look at the yearbook i'm the sa president no don't get it twisted <laughs> Yeah, so it was a it was a hard adjustment, but in that adjustment was when I reconnected with my now husband, Drew. Um, so again, my friend Jessica and I had moved into the apartments that were right by Union, and I had met Drew, my now husband, a few years earlier, my freshman year. Like I said, I was obviously super friendly and getting to know everybody, so I had hung out with his group of friends a little bit. And he went away, so my sophomore year, he went away to be a student dean. So um, didn't keep in touch with him a ton, but a little bit. And then obviously when he came back, I went to Honduras for a year and a half. And we were, Jessica, Drew, and I, during that phase of all of us transitioning, Drew was about to graduate, so he was doing his student teaching. So he was feeling super disconnected from Union. I was definitely in a state of just hurt and Mm -hmm. like I said sadness of leaving the kids but that was honestly Richard when I felt a ton of guilt too like the guilt guilt was like you were like almost like again that working for everything like I was legit doing work I what I felt like work for Jesus and literally to come back and like sit in a class about the civil war world war ii I was like not that it's not important but remember feeling like okay a few months ago, I'm literally 
taking care of children and parenting children. And now I, here I am sitting in these classes, learning about this for my degree. I just felt like those feelings of uselessness and mm. not importance mm. and guilt just hit so hard during that time because wow. I felt like I had no value. Like you feel so important and valuable when you're, well, I felt that as a student missionary. And then coming back, you're like, you just question like, why was I living this way before? How was I living this way before? It, I mean, it just made me view things a little bit differently. Um, and definitely that like happy-go-lucky person was there, but it definitely got replaced with, again, just staying busy and working to get back into, I guess, what was the swing of my life and the swing of how I did things and just kind of suppressing those feelings of feeling invaluable and guilt, talking to them, talking about them a little bit, but not really confessing or fully understanding or even just in a phase with God that I was like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I left your work. And that's what I viewed it as at that time, which is Hmm. sad. But I, yeah, I I just didn't know. And so during that time, Drew, Jessica and I were always, we're all in these weird phases where again, Drew was off campus a lot doing student teaching. Jessica had come back from something she felt super purposefully had a job already as a pastor, but had to finish her last semester. And then me, being gone that whole time and coming back and just re getting to know people that um, had come through union. And so Drew had also lived in the same apartment complex. And so we all started hanging out and obviously um, the night that he, uh, yeah, very early on to us hanging out. And I, it was another moment that again, I didn't comprehend that. And I didn't fully understand that I had, spirit or even understood what the Holy Spirit was. Mm -hmm. But I remember very early on to all of us hanging out and then Drew and I hanging out sometimes by ourselves. Like very early on, I felt like spirit was like, you're going to marry this guy. And it was weird because I was like not in a phase of even wanting to date. Like I said, I was just this person that was retrying to go through school and just finish so I could start teaching and hopefully find that quote unquote value again. Sure. Because I had just lost it. And in this process, like meet this guy that ended up like falling in love with. And very early on, Spirit was like, yeah, you're going to marry him. And I was like, "Uh, okay, (laughs) I guess (laughs) that's fine. So, yes, that was (laughs) you're going to marry this person. (laughs) Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, and through those past relationships, I had mentioned like. There were still a lot of those feelings of insecurity and not feeling valuable. And um, I mean, like taking that into my relationship with Drew and Drew, if any of you know Drew, he is the most patient and laid back and chill person I have ever met. Very. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it was just he. Just such an amazing, beautiful person. And then, I mean, going on to our dating and then getting married um, very early on. And I would say we've had like, obviously spirit, what I didn't understand at that time, but Holy Spirit impressed I was going to marry him. And even the beginning of our end of our careers, and we both obviously drew got a job in Lincoln as I finished my last year. And then I got hired for the school system here in Lincoln as well. And I would say we started off with a very strong marriage, like those feelings of insecurity, and unvaluableness would come out as just like, uh, I'm trying to think if there's like a circumstance where like something that wouldn't be a big deal, I would just, or I would always feel the need like, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, as a 
good wife as doing the right thing. I need to always make sure I'm, and Drew definitely didn't put this on me, but feeling like I need to have dinner ready all the time or pack lunches for school or do all these things. Mm. So like he felt like I wouldn't disappoint him or I wouldn't disappoint. Um, I don't want to say God, but yeah, I was just working and working and it would come out as just me being super exhausted and tired and taking things out on him. And, but it was never, we never fought. That's an interesting thing. Super hard. Said, yeah. Though. Yeah. You're like doing all of this to not disappoint him and yeah. you're overworking yourself. Yeah. So then you're resenting him for Yes, it. totally. Yeah. Ooh. And it came out in that way. And, uh, and uh, I mean, praise God that like towards that time that that had happened. So a few months into our marriage was when Mikey Archibek had gone to Hawaii and, and this is obviously when it gets good, but Mikey Archibek had, and who's Drew's very best friend, had gone to Hawaii and truly learned about the love of Jesus and how it transformed him. Mm-hmm. And he had this beautiful experience where with the Holy Spirit and the little literal Holy Spirit like came down on him and his hands raised and it was beautiful. And he reached out to Drew right away and Drew was in a phase of just not that he didn't believe in God, but we both were just kind of living our lives. We go to church every once in a while. We, again, had a group, good group of friends. So you could say life was good. I was, you know, doing my thing, trying to please everybody, trying to work, starting my job, starting my career. And then Drew had, Mikey had been speaking truth over Drew or just reaching out to him of him experience, like him experiencing Jesus in a whole new way. Hmm. And Drew was like, oh, I get it. Like, and for Drew, this moment of, for him, and I will, I don't know if you'll have him on or if you'll talk to him about it, of going to death to life was very, like it clicked for him almost immediately. And so those moments where I would feel less than, or I would feel insecure, or I would cry about something silly or resent him, he just poured Jesus's pure, true love and just would speak truth over me. Mm -hmm. Like, why does that matter, Miley? Like, you know that you don't have to do these things for me. Like, you don't have to work. (laughs) I love you just because you're you. What did you, how did you handle that when you were saying something like that? I was like, okay, like, thank you. I love you too. I I mean, I, it was beautiful because those seeds had started getting planted. Mm -hmm. Like, those words of truth that he would speak over me or he'd help me. Like if there was a situation that happened at school with a student and I'd be upset with the way that maybe I handled it or um, a staff member saying something bad about me and my teaching, he'd be like, he would just start to say those things to put me in perspective. Well, why does that matter to you? Mm -hmm. Like, does that change that you're a bad or good teacher? And so that year, same year. So that had happened Um, a few months before and Drew obviously, again, like I said, had started to receive or starting to understand a little bit more about himself and the way that Jesus sees him. And my best friend, Jessica, again, her and her husband work for, um, the Rocky mountain conference and they run the camp there. So they had reached out to Drew and I, because I had never worked at summer camp. I canvassed for two summers and Drew had worked at summer camp though for nine years. So he absolutely loved summer camp. And Jessica and her husband reached out to us because there's this little summer camp in Hawaii 
that um, was ran for three weeks long, or sorry, four weeks long. They're looking for staff members and people, and they were specifically at that time looking for an activities director, which Drew had done at previous Drew's camps. Drew's got that. Oh, yeah. He and knows the activities. For those of you that know Drew, he loves activities. Yes, <laughs> that's what he does all the time. <laughs> Watches them, plays them all the time. And so through that, we decided, Drew, like, oh my goodness, let's go to Hawaii and work at summer camp. Because again, we're teachers, yeah. so we have that summer off. So we finally, we actually went on a very big trip. We love to travel. So we went and then we ended our little trip at Hawaii at the summer camp. And then um, Drew met and we both met Jonathan Leonardo. What was that like? What was meeting him like? um, (laughs) He was, I mean, he was nice at first. It wasn't until the second summer that, oh, you'll love this story and he'll love hearing this story. It wasn't until the, the second summer that I was like, oh, I okay. hate him. Okay. I hate this guy. So the first summer wasn't... And Miley doesn't hate people. So you know that he... Oh my gosh, it was so funny. So when Jonathan started speaking to the staff members just about, again, like the fact that Jesus loves us and how he he went over with us that first summer agreements or lies that we have put on ourselves that the reason why we act a certain way so this is that is summer we 2019 18 oh yeah wow, so this is, is 18 okay. mm-hmm. and because summer 19 was when everything changed for me so summer 18 like i said jonathan had started having us identify lies that maybe we've put on ourselves or people have put on us mm-hmm. that have shaped the way that we see the world so for him he just started talking about how I know you've interviewed him, but the fact that his father's left him, he will never be an adequate man because his father did that or left. Mm -hmm. So he didn't feel... So he just started going over those lies Mm -hmm. that we believe. And for Drew, it clicked for him right away. And I don't even know if Drew had a huge moment where he confessed. I know, obviously, he went from death to life, but just the things that he had been learning through Mikey, Mm -hmm. it just clicked then even more so. And for me, it was like... We, I was reading these verses, verses like Ephesians 1 or these verses in Romans and um, Colossians 3, Galatians. And I was like, oh, this is what the Bible says about me. Like, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Like, yeah, I'm loved. I, I thought that Jesus loved me. I didn't fully comprehend that love. But I, again, those seeds started getting planted. Um, and then I, it was a great summer. We had a lot of fun. Got to be at the beach every single day. Drew obviously received true, beautiful gospel. And for me, it was a great experience. I started to learn a little bit of truth. But coming back here, it was like, okay, well, I guess we're back to another year of teaching, like Mm -hmm. another year of doing life, another year of working and working and working to get approval from everybody. It it was great. (laughs) So I thought, (laughs) oh my word. And then same, Drew, again, just received God's beautiful love and so just started little by little, like putting things in my heart or planting seeds in areas that I would either vent to him, like I was sharing a little bit before. And then at the same time, Tyler Morrison, everything was going on. And I know that you've had them on the podcast. Things were going wrong, obviously, with him and Morgan. This is summer 2018. Yes. And into the fall time too. Right, 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 right. And Tyler would come over and again, uh, Drew loves sports. Tyler loves sports. So they'd watch things together. But Tyler would say these crazy things. 
And I think Drew and Tyler have a funny little moment where they both realize that they were free from sin and just living in spirit together. But I kind of saw the opposite or not the opposite end of it, but like Tyler would be over to house. He's like, yeah, Morgan told me she hated me today, but I'm totally fine. And they'd both (laughs) laugh. And I'm like, are you okay? I just had no idea. I was like, Tyler, what is happening? And so I even went on a road trip with Tyler to Colorado for, again, my best friend, Jessica's, I think maybe bachelorette weekend. And I was with him and his brother and Tyler again, just started speaking that truth over us. Like I remember us listening to Lauren Daigle's song, you say, Mm -hmm. and he just started like him and Nicholas was in the car too, his little brother. And he would just, he was just starting to speak this boldness and truth over Nicholas and I's lives. And I was like, and like, I was getting it, but it wasn't clicking. Like I was like, Oh, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah God sure, says yeah. I'm love. God sends them all these things, mm-hmm. but I have this tendency again to just keep working and needing approval and wanting everybody to be happy and like, okay, Ty, like, that's great. I'm so happy. And yeah, they just, again, Drew and Tyler would say these crazy bold things and Tyler would be like, yeah, Morgan cursed me out. And, but guess what? I'm great. And I'm like, what, what were you thinking it. about Morgan? And like, had you heard why they had split up? Like, yeah, I had heard what about... Did, what did that do to you? I was confused, honestly. Like, I knew that there was probably more to what was happening. And then there was a period of time that, you know, they were trying to work on things that we, again, didn't see Tyler for a while. Right. Because they were back to, you know... He doesn't that, have to come over and watch sports because he's, he's staying yes, at his house. Okay. Yeah, because he's staying at his house again and they're working on it. So I didn't... I thought it was interesting that... Yeah, I just didn't understand the full context of it. I, I knew that what had been told is he had told her some things, but that porn was a huge one. And so I was like, interesting. There, there, I mean, there must be more. This is their situation. But I and Morgan and I like at Union, we obviously went to Union together. We went we did our student missionary year at the same time. Right. And Morgan and I, I think that I know Morgan shares her story and some of those crazy experiences. But again, Miley didn't want anybody to be mad at her didn't want so I didn't step on Morgan's toes Morgan was always very fun and friendly and I knew oh, I didn't want to get on her bad yeah, side yeah. yeah so I was like oh I mean I was sad for them because uh-huh. I didn't want them to break up I didn't want these things to happen but I was just in a weird spot because I was seeing the joy that Tyler had and I was like this is new this is interesting like what's happening that he is so joyful through this literal almost divorce that they're about to go through. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was just, I was confused because I was like, is she overreacting? Is she not? Um, I, it's sad. Right. Like I was like, it was super sad, but we didn't see her. I didn't see her for months during that time. Right. So I'd only seen Tyler until they were working things out. And then I wasn't close enough with her to ever bring it up if I did see her. Right. And so, yeah. And then Drew and Tyler, um, we had started doing, or sorry, not with Drew and Tyler. There was a small group of us that started a little Sabbath school every Saturday morning. And so Drew would come into it once in a while, but, um, or would come with me as well. And then Tyler started coming. And that's when, again, these truths were being spoken. And I was just hearing over and over again, reading these verses. But again, like, I was like, it makes sense. But like, I have to do work. Like, there's no way that I'm just loved because Jesus says. Like, I have to follow the commandments. I have to be a good person. I just didn't get it. And um, that 
summer. So this was happening fall, spring, and it was time for our second summer in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So we were, we decided to go back. We had an amazing friends trip that we had taken right before that. And we were on to our second summer in Hawaii. And this is when my, (laughs) I don't want to say hate for Jonathan Leonardo. Jonathan, if you're listening, you know I love you now. Sabbath day, seventh day, Sabbath Leonardo. Yeah. This is when things just I don't want to say blew up in the Miley way that it could, I guess you could say, but it was, it was hard. That, like, it was not Just from the beginning of the summer? From the beginning of the summer. Well, I went into this summer, they needed somebody to do crafts. And if you know anything about me, I am not an artsy person. So it was already funny. Jonathan, literally the first day that we got there, and he's like, Miley, what are you doing again this summer? I'm like, I'm doing crafts. He laughed out loud in my face. Because it's just funny to think like, but obviously sweet Miley's not going to say no. So I'm going to do crafts because they need me to. He oh laughed out oh, loud. Oh, he laughed in my face. Yeah, I was like, I hate you so much. So anyway, um, the summer goes on. And again, like these truths were being spoken. And not that I was getting to the point where I was annoyed because I kept hearing it. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on in me that for me, I'm not getting that click? Like what in the world is this? And so like we'd go throughout the week and if you know anything about camp or any summer camp, you just work so much. So I would just be working the craft. I'd go and help in the kitchen. I was just keeping myself busy because that's what I knew how to do. That's what I got value in. Mm -hmm. And one day, (laughs) this work, it's good. Um, So, one day, Jonathan, so again, I had been working and it, and it just wasn't going well this summer. Like I said, I don't know what it was. Happy Miley was just like, I am like crafts was a lot of work. It was just, there was a lot going on. And I just inside, I was just having this battle of like, again, I was hearing these truths because, you know, he, he was our camp pastor. So over the weekends, he'd preach these beautiful sermons. He'd and again, Drew and Tyler had been just telling me this stuff sprinkling over the year. And then it would like, I'd be getting it. And then all of a sudden the week would come and I'd go to work and then everything would leave. Because again, I was back in that old mindset is I had to work for everything. So one day Jonathan pulls me aside and I'm literally helping out in the kitchen. He's like, Miley, come here for a second. So I go outside and he looks at me and he's like, do you know what you're doing? And I was like, yes, I'm helping out in the kitchen. And he's like, Miley, or no, excuse me. He goes, Martha, stop working. Like straight to my face in the like boldest way he could say it. He's like, stop working. He's like, this is what you're doing. You're causing other people to not do their jobs to the best of their ability. Cause you just keep in like coming in and filling it. And he was noticing this pattern of me just wanting to work for approval, wanting to work to make everybody else happy because I was feeling so unvaluable and unworthy and unloved inside that it was the first time somebody had looked at me and like called me out for what I had thought my whole life was good, but it was just deception. Hmm. And it was the first time and he looked at me, he said, Martha, stop working. And Richard, I was mad. Livid. Oh, I was livid. I like, I think I cried after that conversation. Like he had said that to me, spoken that over me. 
And I just, he left. I just cried. And I looked at Drew. I was like, I'm so, and Drew had come. Or maybe we were walking to something. I was like, this is what Jonathan said to me. And again, nobody had ever, like in my life, and I don't, again, I don't think I even comprehended that. I have been given these beautiful gifts of service and love and Satan just like twisted that and turned that into working for affirmation. And it was just the first time that somebody had helped me realize but you didn't you're know not doing this. Time, right? you didn't no, know. I didn't. So it just came out as anger. I was like, how dare he do this? I'm doing it obviously to help other people. Obviously, I know now I wasn't. <laughs> but <laughs> at the time, I was so mad. Oh my goodness, Richard. Yeah, I was furious. And then, oh my word. And the rest of the summer. Like, did you reconcile with him over that summer? Or you just like, he didn't even know that you were feeling this thing? Oh, I'm sure he knew. Like, he's obviously filled with spirit. Like, he knew he, like, it was boldness and it was the spirit that told him to say that. Because here's what I think. If he would have looked at me and said, Miley, you're working so hard. Like, let other people work. Guess what? I would have continued working because, again, if he would have done it in that sympathetic way, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. It, it took him being bold for spirit to finally, like, move something in my heart that recognized Oh wait, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something off here, Miley. Mm-hmm. This is where this is where it's hitting. So it took him speaking that boldness, which in my story a few months later is going to come back out. But it took him looking at me and speaking over me to actually realize, oh yeah, this is why I'm mad. Cause I'm recognizing for the first time that all these things that I thought were good, I was just doing too because I had felt feeling i know oh my goodness i had felt all these terrible things i was filling these voids and that's why i was doing them and it was the first time that i recognized that Hmm. and i think that's why i was mad is because he had finally called me out for the deception drew knew this stuff i would talk to drew and i'd be like yo is miley getting this and he's like uh it's slow going for miley she she understands it Mm -hmm. but like at school, like she gets wrecked at school. Yeah. And that's going to continue out of my story too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that moment, again, it wasn't like the moment that I confessed and recognized the love of Jesus had for me, but it was the first time that something moved in me that I was like, yeah, this is not right. Like you're, you are not, there's something going on inside. And so um, a week later at, so at the summer camp again, and I remember listening. So that Sabbath, um, obviously I got over it. I recognize, I, again, wasn't at the point of confession or dying to old Miley, but I remember a few days later, we're at the church service and I remember the song, um, oh my goodness. Is it hold? Oh, uh, what is it called? It's beautiful. Um, is it hold my heart? No. What group sings it? Oh, I don't know. There was a praise song. Hold me now. Hold me now. That's uh, um, look where my chains are. Yes. Now. Yeah. Death has no hold on me. Yeah. That yes. song played at church and I sobbed like a baby. Like, I think that was where it started to click where again, like it's true. I don't have to live under this need to affirm myself and others. This working that I was doing, like, it's all a lie. And then Jonathan preached this beautiful sermon that 
literally spirit was just out of work in my heart. And I cried throughout the whole thing. Um, and again, it was clicking, it was clicking and it wasn't quite there yet because again, Monday would come around and guess what would happen? You'd be working. I'd be working again. It's ridiculous. So this is the, now that we're saying that working is bad, No, but the motive, the motive behind it was so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was worst. (laughs) The worst. The worst. So a few days later, <laughs> I'm glad that's going to be the last day. I'm glad that's going to be on the podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, keep going. shout out to John Raphael. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so a few days later was when the most beautiful day ever because I went from death to life. So we ended camp. So again, this experience where Jonathan had spoken boldness to me had happened that week before. Mm-hmm. He had that beautiful weekend where I just sobbed during the service and I was starting to get it. But again, that old pattern came back that Monday when I started working and working and working. Well, we get to the end of the week and we are all sitting around as camp staff. And a few days before, um, a few of our camp staff have got like confessed and became free and they would not stop talking about it. Like there was just a beautiful ripple, ripple effect of spirit and things were just chains were being broken all around the camp. There was a guy that had just confessed lies of lust and insecurity that he had been living out. And when he, they prayed over him, like he, the people around him all got free, like a surge of spirit went through him. He lifted his hands up and it was the buzz of camp. It was so beautiful, but it was beautiful. (laughs) Oh, totally. But it was beautiful to see just the change in these people's eyes and faces and spirits and the way that they interact from one minute to the next. Right. Like it was like a fire ignited at our camp. And I was watching this happen. And again, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I'd experienced these moments, but I was like, good for them. Like, that's great. Is it going to happen for me? Like, do I need that moment? I just didn't even understand how, to change from death to life. Mm -hmm. I was watching it happen. And then the last day of camp had come. We were working all day. And usually we do a little award ceremony at night. And we spend just that last moment together. And Drew and I were literally flying out the next day. And in that moment, Pastor Eric had felt spirit just move to start sharing testimonies and to start having people. So people around camp had been sharing literally their experience from death to life. Mm -hmm. And then pastor Eric very boldly said, spirit is telling me that there are people in this room that need to die already. Like that need that have experienced that understand that just need to confess and move on. And it was legit, like you said, Pentecost, like it was so beautiful. There were people left and right that were standing up and spirit was just moving and we were speaking truth over these people. People were crying. It was absolutely beautiful. And even me sitting there, I just like, spirit was like, Miley, it's, it's time to die. Mm-hmm. It's time. And so I had stood up and <laughs> it was so beautiful. Um, Yeah, I had stood up and I just realized, like, I'm a crier, so excuse me. Like, yeah, I had been living in all of this feelings of insecurity and feeling unworthy and just feeling like I needed affirmation from everybody else. And I just had confessed all of these things that I had been living under, like, even though happy-go-lucky Miley wanted everybody to be happy and like working for everybody else, it was just, 
you know, it was all like Satan literally just took everything that Jesus intended for good. And to be able to confess that and it was so beautiful and to have everybody there like praying over me and obviously drew there too, who had seen like Mm -hmm. just the whole year and the whole weeks that had led up to it and just speaking truth throughout the whole time. And yeah, it was beautiful. And I had confessed all those lies, like I had said of insecurity and unbelief and, um, working for affirmation or needing words of affirmation from people. And, and after that was done, like, I kid you not, like the first like real joyful smiley smile came across my face for the first time. And it was just, it was so beautiful. And like, like we were up till I think 3am that day. And I, I also got baptized that night because I actually recognized like Jesus loves me and this is my new life that I want to live. So it was great. It was beautiful. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm crying like a baby. Yeah, because again, like, it's so sad to see, like, like thinking back to when we were talking about I was a kid and, like, pure love and joy. That's literally what Jesus intends for all of us is just that happiness and true joy that before things come and these lies get spoken over us or experiences happen and I mean, it's, I mean, it's so sad again, that literally the good that I was intended for and the service heart that I have was literally just used so twisted and to just be able to see that untwist and really be able to love and serve now is just so awesome. So anyway, it was beautiful. And I even remember like waking up that next day before our flight, we probably got like what, four hours of sleep because we were up till Mm 3am with these beautiful testimonies and baptisms and Another girl that got baptized that morning. And I remember just waking up and reading Ephesians 1 for the first time. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am holy and blameless and loved. And yeah, just that weight was lifted. And that was the moment that I was like, yeah, I am free from these things. So it was you go from being angry at Jonathan to a few weeks later, you're, you're ready to die. Yeah. Do we know... Maybe you like, what mm-hmm. was it? It was just. It, Spirit was literally like, it's time. Like you, I had been hearing these things spoken over me. And it wasn't until like, obviously Jonathan spoke that like boldness over me. And just in that moment, as I'm sitting there and as I'm listening to these testimonies and like my heart, Spirit was like, Miley, you know, it's time. It, it's time for you to confess these things. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to recognize like these lies have you that you've been living under are all just lies. Like that's not what I intended you for. It's time for you to die and realize the true reason why you're here. Mm-hmm. And so, well, with Jonathan and what had happened is I'll hit on that here in a little bit, but because that boldness he had spoken over me and the fact that he was the person that was able, like when I stood up and confessed those things, like speak truth over me too, my heart was then positioned to actually listen to what he had to say over me too Hmm. as well. And I think that was the beauty of it. Spirit was like, yeah, it's time for you to die. Listen to what is actually being spoken over you. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Well, I I just saw that you continued to grow with this thing because it wasn't but a couple months later. Yeah. It. So, (laughs) yeah. Um. Yeah, you tell us. Yeah. So 
beautiful experience, obviously died and came back new. And then when we got back, we were able to see Tyler and I got to tell him the whole story too. Mm -hmm. Cause again, Tyler, I had shared a little bit before was living in freedom and, um, it was beautiful. And I believe at that point was when we continued on to our Sabbath school that we had. Um, and (laughs) so again, my huge lie that I had to work for my salvation work for affirmation. Obviously I had died to that. And so as I came back to Lincoln and as we were getting ready to start the school year, um, any like, thing that I now could identify that was not part of me, not what Jesus intended me for, Mm -hmm. I was able to speak truth over. And sometimes that looked like driving in my car and saying, God, I thank you that I am filled with patience. I don't need to work for these things because you have done all the good work for me. I just live in love and truth and freedom. And it at times was speaking it out loud. And it, it, it's a crazy story because I then started the toughest teaching school year. And again, this is only my third year of teaching, so don't have a ton of experience. But so obviously living my new life now, Mm -hmm. um, I started teaching the toughest group of kids that I have ever taught. Mm -hmm. So realizing who I was, living from love, and then having these boys in my classroom and, and girls as well, but affected by trauma, affected by... Um, just really tough home situations, kids that would throw chairs, curse at other kids, having to get the principal in my room multiple times to evacuate these kids. It was a very, very hard. It's intense. It is. And it was, it made me question, okay, am I? Like, I would feel that start to come up. Like, I'm a bad teacher. Like, those, that insecurity, those lies of that negative self-talk which was a big old thing that old miley lived under would start to come back and i'm like no no and again i would just spend time speaking out loud god i thank you that i am not these things i have a new life i have a new heart i can love these kids freely because i am loved and but it was extremely hard and yeah, go ahead. Well, because I, I remember the weekend we're all up here in September, and I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly what the conversation was. But when I'm talking to Morgan in the car, and she's just like, "Yeah, I don't want anybody to know about this. I hate Jonathan. I hate Eddie. I hate I hate Christian's cool." Um, and you were were at the park mm-hmm. and talking with I think Eddie or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like I don't know what you guys were talking about, but you were learning more about who you were. It sounds yeah. Like. Totally. And it I mean, it was beautiful because obviously in that moment at camp, I'd gone from death to life. But coming back, obviously, with Drew and Tyler, there were things that we were all learning and me being, you know, a baby in my new life. There are things that I still didn't fully, I don't want to say, like comprehend or understand. And especially in the middle of this tough school year, um, I was talking to Eddie and I was like, and I would hear Drew or Tyler or Eddie just talk about like being confident that the spirit said this to them. And at that time I didn't comprehend. I like, I understood that I had the spirit, but I didn't know what spirit sounded like or looked like. And so at that moment at the park, the day that Morgan got free, um, Eddie and I were just chatting and I was like, yeah, I'm, I was just sharing with him the, the tough circumstances that were shaped, not shaping my new freedom, but were questioning 
um, this new freedom. And I was like, I, yeah, I, I, I think I have spirit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I do. I just don't know what it sounds like. And he's like, oh, we're praying about this right now. You are filled with spirit. And so Eddie prayed over me and it was like spirit reveal what, who you are to Miley. And spirit literally just said, I love you. And it was my own voice. Mm. And so that was the beautiful moment that had happened at the park. So throughout my freedom, there were beautiful things that I was recognizing about my new life that I hadn't learned because, you know, old Miley thought, okay, I have to follow everything in the 10 commandments. I have to do the right thing. And so this switch of mind is, no, I, I just live from the truth that I am love and that the commandments are written in my heart. And I just go on loving and living. And, and this was a moment like also recognizing, oh yeah, that voice, that's a spirit. And I, I can recognize if something comes in like anger or um, jealousy or that work comes back because that doesn't align with what Jesus says. It doesn't align with the spirit that's in me. And it during that time, again, like I would, that was a beautiful moment that I recognized for the first time again that I was, that I had spirit and come a few months later, um, I had said that I was going to tell you about like the Jonathan thing and speaking boldness over me. So I was watching again, as you could say a baby or a new person in freedom, listening to Tyler and Drew and now Eddie and Jayla had moved to Lincoln speak over people's lives um, and I was watching it unfold and I was again, still like having to speak truth over this classroom and these old patterns of Miley. Cause I was just going back. I was like, am I free? Am I not? Why am I still feeling these things? And, and obviously I was, it was just, I was positioning myself almost like I wasn't because mm -hmm. I had a feeling come up mm -hmm. and it's just like, I mean, it took like, no, Miley, that feeling doesn't define you. That feeling is not Lord over mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. You know who Lord, you know what Jesus says about you. Mm -hmm. You know the truth about you. So live in that truth. And I was watching again, like Tyler and Drew and Jayla and Eddie speak so much boldness over people. And something in me made me feel so uncomfortable. And I was like, what? Like, um, I remember Jayla is has such a beautiful spiritual gift of boldness. And I mean, we all have that gift, but Jayla is just beautiful in the way that she's able to speak truth to people. And I remember there was a moment where she spoke complete boldness over somebody in a big group in Sabbath school. And something in me was like sitting there like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Like in me, that feeling of uncomfortableness came up. And I let that manifest almost. And I didn't quite understand why I was so uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And a few weeks later, same, like Drew and Tyler had another situation where they spoke just complete boldness over this girl. And I was like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. And I, I, and I, I didn't confess it. I just let it kind of sit on my heart mm -hmm. that I was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that turned into almost anger. Hmm. And then I was not able to speak that boldness because what I was doing is when people would come and tell me that they were anxious or something was wrong at that moment i had seen what they were doing and that that boldness was making me feel uncomfortable and i didn't quite understand it and it led me to anger so i was sympathizing with those people like oh yeah i, I know what that feels like or um almost like turning back into those old miley patterns and not wanting to offend or hurt people right 
And so it, again, formed in my heart some anger. And then it wasn't until um, one of my close friends got um, realized again that she went from death to life and got baptized. And I finally, like this anger was building up in me. And I was watching all these people just set people free. And I finally looked at Drew and I was like, I'm angry. Like, I need to confess this. This is not who what I was intended for. I don't fully comprehend why I am, but this is, I'm angry. And so Drew, we confess and he prayed truth over me. And again, it was like that weight, that why freedom were you got lifted up. So come to find out, I was angry because when Jonathan had spoken that boldness over me back, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that had set in me an anger of just, I didn't want, like, that really hurt me. Again, like, if I go back to the times that I was, like, almost old, Miley, like, being cheated on, these things that have happened really hurt me. And I don't want to do that to people. So that led to, like, going back to Jonathan. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with Drew and Eddie. And Eddie's like, Miley, here's the thing. You're taking that situation that happened with Jonathan and you're sympathizing with people. There's a big difference between sympathy versus empathy. Mm -hmm. And so that anger was me resenting them being able to speak boldness when, in fact, I had gone back to that old pattern of not wanting to offend people and wanting to make everybody happy. And I don't know if that anger was also a little bit of jealousy, too. But he's like, you have the gift of boldness. You have confidence. You have all of these things. So confess that anger. Confess that need to want to please people because that's not you. Mm-hmm. That's not you. And so that was also a beautiful realization a few months into freedom that I was able to confess and now speak confidently and empathize with people again. And again, God has given me a beautiful gift of crying and empathy, but also being able to use that empathy to not let people live in these lies and these patterns and just speaking that love of Jesus over them. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge change for me that happened a few months into freedom that I had recognized that I was just living under that. And I don't know if it was anger that Jonathan had spoken that way over me because nobody had done that before. I don't know if it was anger because, again, all these people were um, getting set free and I knew that I was, but I was just feeling something that was contrary to what I was created for. And the beautiful thing about the whole thing is that Drew, Tyler, Eddie, these people that were surrounding me never saw me any different than a child, Mm -hmm. never saw me different than free Miley. Mm -hmm. They knew that that lie was manifesting and they were waiting for me to get rid of it and confess it and move on. Mm -hmm. And so that was just another beautiful part of going from death to life and living with this beautiful community that we have. Do you still think you were resenting Jonathan for, for a while after that? Oh, totally. Cause I think that's where the anger came from. So when you got, when you saw the truth of that whole thing, did your, the resentment for Jonathan disappear? Go away. Totally. Yeah. Cause again, I was able to see that he only saw me and only spoke to me that way out of love. Like he was willing to tell me Martha stopped working because he loved me and he only saw me as God's child and a daughter. So he knew that that boldness needed to be spoken over me because that's all that I was. And so you've been walking this thing out 
the last was a summer 2019. We're going into 21 here. 21. What is a, I mean, we've heard a lot about the difference in your life. Mm-hmm. You, and I ask this question all the time. Like you get to go back to Miley, <laughs> sophomore year, Miley, whose heart is broken. Mm-hmm and that she doesn't believe these things about, or she believes these things about herself. What would you, what would you tell that, that girl that you would hopefully be able to get through to her? What would you say? Man, I would, (laughs) I would say like Martha or Miley, you don't need to work. Like the work has been done for you. Live in that rest and freedom that Jesus loves you and sees you as valuable and worthy and love and live from that love. You don't need to work for other people's affirmation. You don't need to work for my love Mm because guess what? You have it. It's yours. So I think I would go back to old Miley and tell her, you're filled with joy because I've put it there. Like believe that you're a love, believe that you're filled. And that's why you are the way that you are. You know, something about you and Drew is that a lot of cool stuff happens around where you live. Like your apartment <laughs> on is, Calvert, yeah. your house here. Um, and we have been, my family has been hosted by you guys a, a few times. And I don't know if it would have looked any different with old Miley hosting us as new Miley hosting it. But I know Mm -hmm. that your heart when you're hosting us now, it's Mm -hmm. like a pleasure. Like I don't feel like you love having people over here. You love hosting people. And like, I just feel, I just feel comfortable. And we felt comfortable obviously at the, the old apartment where, where so much stuff went down and then (laughs) um, just, the last time we were all here, we were all sitting around this table and Morgan and Natalie are just talking about their their old lives. <laughs> but I just see your heart mm-hmm. towards like my kids and my family. And I just see, man, this new Miley, I know your motive mm-hmm. is pure as just the driven snow. It's just like you love to love. And it's not because I'm just like, Miley, you are awesome. It's because you you don't need that for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's just different. And it's yeah. like the motive, your heart is, he's given you this new heart and it's like a completely loved heart. Yeah. And you move like a loved person. Thank you. I'm crying over here. So thanks. <laughs> no. <laughs> here we go again. It's fine. No, it's just like my grandfather once said this thing about my grandmother. And my grandmother was, I don't know what she was doing, but she was complaining about something. And my grandfather, he turned to my sister and said something like, like he knew what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's a loved woman. Meaning like she could do all that stuff and feel comfortable to do that stuff because she didn't question anything about her husband's love for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that completely makes sense in this, but you are a loved woman 
and you move like you're a loved woman. That doesn't mean you complain. That means like mm-hmm. you're just, your love is like yeah. legit love. And I, I love it because I feel loved by you. And no, like the smiley Miley that comes in now, it's like, it's not fool's gold. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's legit, yeah. real, real stuff. And I called you, I mean, it must have been, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe three or four months ago <laughs> to get this podcast and you did not answer my phone call. Why did you not answer my phone call, Miley? <laughs> I don't know. Um, well. Because you knew why I was calling. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think... Well, obviously, I was talking to Eddie right before that. And Eddie's like, you need to share your story. And I was like, Eddie, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, everybody knows it. Like, it's not a, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. Because like you said, I just had always had this and just Satan turned it for evil. And when I was able to recognize that I was given these gifts simply because I was made pure and holy and good. It just has changed everything. And, you know, in some ways nothing has changed, but in every way, everything has changed. And so I was like, (laughs) why Eddie? So I had, I was convinced that Eddie had reached out to you and said, you need to talk to Miley to to do get her on the podcast. I was like, brother, brother, Richard, I know know. you should call. I love Eddie so much. That's my second in as many weeks impersonation of Eddie. Brother Richard called Miley. Yeah, but he, no, did, he didn't do that. No, I know, and like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to. But no, here I am. I just shared it. No, And yeah, it's beautiful. And like teaching now, like going back to lo- just loving kids, like it is so beautiful, like teaching in freedom. Like, under, like being able to look at a child and say, Hey, guess what? And I teach at public school, so it's a little different that I can't say Jesus loves you, but just to recognize like you're loved. Like to tell a kid that they're yeah. loved and important and put these things in them, like so and so called me a loser. And I'll look at them and say, Are you a loser? No, you're not. You know that you're special and loved and valuable. And yeah, it's just been beautiful to be able to Drew, come over here, man. You're about to add your two cents to the as we wrap this mug up. <laughs> to be able to move in that like you said love and just speak that truth over so how is this uh kids how's this lady different bro (laughs) (laughs) Uh, drew just walked in from playing softball and i'm just immediately putting you on the spot for this podcast and i don't care because you know her better than anybody how is she different uh she just I mean, I kind of cut tail end here, but yeah, she just moves from love. Like, um, she, I, what you said was very spot on. You don't, you're not going to notice much difference, right? But just behind the scenes, knowing why she's doing things is totally different now. Um, cause she was seeking something that she already had. And now she's not seeking those things because she knows she has it. So she just does it because she knows that's who she is. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that's a good wrap up uh, to the podcast. You want to say anything else, Miley, to anybody listening? You're good. You're loved. You don't need affirmation. You've been given it. You don't need to work. You have it. Um, yeah, you are important. 
You are special. You are filled with spirit. Move from that. Let's go. Love it. Love you guys. Thanks for coming on the Death of Life podcast, Miley. Of course. It's too late can stop it. It's a boom. No, I cannot wait till you approve. I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too bright. I see they trying to ride. Coming out for the night. Yeah, it's that come alive. Coming out for the fight. Yeah, we stay alive. We stay alive. Hey. Hey. Hey, put your hands down. Hey, we ain't coming questions. Yeah, we been down. Creed, I am Madonna's, wash the hands now Went from thinking broke to living rich now Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now Hey, she look kinda bougie and she bad now Hey, mama think I made it easy, proud now Hey, hey with the spirits trying to play with me. Stay alive, hey.